0: Welcome to Kingdom's Cornerstone News, the first newscast that's kingdom-focused for citizens of the kingdom that will have no end. I'm Jamie Kiever. Today is Tuesday, November 23rd, 2021. We have some good news to start out with. Two of the 17 missionaries kidnapped in Haiti more than a month ago have been released. Christian Aid Ministries issued a statement saying they won't be releasing any more information other than only two of the kidnapped missionaries are now safe and in good spirits. The missionaries were kidnapped by the 400 Mwazo gang on October 16th. There are five children in the group of 16 U.S. citizens and one Canadian, one of whom is an eight-month-old baby. Their Haitian driver was also abducted. Over to India, as an article out of the ChristianPost.com reports dozens of churches were forbidden to meet at the behest of radical Hindu nationalist groups. More than 50 home churches were unable to gather due to instructions sent to local police stations informing of the ban. The concern is Indian Christians will no longer be able to exercise their religious freedoms guaranteed to them by the Indian Constitution. You can find a link to the article which goes into way more detail in the description of this video. And in another article by the ChristianPost.com this week, which we'll be sure to link to in the description reports that Coptic Christian students in Egypt were beaten by teachers and fellow students. The headmaster of the elementary and middle school ordered all Christian students to remove any jewelry bearing a Christian cross. Believers in the Coptic community often wear jewelry depicting their faith. When they refused to remove them, they were assaulted by both staff and fellow students. Coptic parents of the students complained to authorities. However, it's unclear if the educational board took any action. The Copts, who make up about 10% of Egypt's population, are the descendants of a long line of ancient Egyptians who later converted to Christianity in the first century. Alyssa.tv published an article yesterday. We'll be sure to share the link to reporting. The National Democratic Coalition told the United States persecution of Christians in Nigeria remains high. They said this against the backdrop of the removal of Nigeria from the blacklist of countries with religious freedom concerns. The foremost pro-democratic group in the country expressed removal of Nigeria from the list does not reflect reality on the ground. The group announced plans to host an international conference in Washington, D.C. with the theme Nigeria at the Crossroads, Reconstructing or the Solution of Nigeria. The conference is scheduled for March of next year and will discuss how to rescue Nigeria from political, social, and economic collapse. And finally, a little bit closer to home, I came across a really interesting tweet by Frank Figliuzzi that reads, Divide and Conquer, a sample of 32,315 pro-Rittenhouse hashtag tweets on November 19th and 20th showed 29,609 tweets with disabled geolocations. Of those, 17,701 were listed as foreign, but a deep scrub revealed most of those were from Russia, China, and the European Union. If it seems to you like our country is under attack, well, that's because it is. Black Lives Matter, Antifa, a corrupt government set on inflation, supply chain disruptions, and woke environmental policies that decimate the poor, while ordering police to stand down during riot after riot in the name of social justice? Yes, it's absolutely apparent we are under attack. By who exactly, I can't say, but what I do know is this. This is all spiritual in nature. This is the result of spiritual warfare. And you may say to yourself, what can I, a single person, do to fight any of this? Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 tells us how to fight. And it involves the full armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet firmly planted in the gospel of peace, having the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, and pray, put that armor on and cry out to the Lord. God hears our prayers, but we must equip ourselves with these spiritual weapons if we're to be effective. Now is the time, ladies and gentlemen, to give God everything. If you're struggling with something, lean on your fellow Christians and ask for help. Ask for accountability. If you're drinking too much, if you're addicted to porn, whatever it is, surrender it now. Because things are only going to get worse. We must be holy We must know our Creator and petition Him for safety and healing. Now, I'm not trying to sound preachy here. In fact, I almost didn't put this section in, but I'm alarmed by what I'm seeing every day happening in our country. But I also have a peace knowing I have a Savior who hears. I want to encourage you also to cry out to Him. We'll be right back. Today,
1: I'm in northern Iraq here in the Nineveh Plains, and this is an area with a group of people called the Yazidis that were greatly affected by the fighting with ISIS. ISIS came in, destroyed their families, their homes, their livelihood, stole young girls uh, to make them their wives, and the rest of the world's kind of forgotten about them. But Samaritan's Purse says now, we have felt called to come and help this group of people. Beside me, we have built a community center. This community center will be used to teach them life skills computer sewing. The rest of the community here will be able to come in and use this. But there's also homes for 75 families, along with greenhouses that will go with these homes so they can provide a livelihood. And the whole point in all of this is to share the love of Jesus Christ, but to do this in the name of Jesus. So we can't do this without you. We thank you for your prayers and support. Continue to pray for this community here in Northern Iraq.
0: For many, the concept of forgiveness is a truly difficult thing to grasp and live out. Christ forgave us and we're commanded to forgive others. This is not an optional part of being Christian, which can make it all the more difficult. As hard as it it is to forgive others, what does the Bible say about forgiving ourselves? Joining me today to discuss this is John Beeson, co-pastor at New Life Bible Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona, who recently wrote an article published by the Gospel Coalition titled, Say No to the Gospel of Self-Forgiveness, a wonderful article I'll be sure to include a link to in the description. John, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Jamie. This is such an interesting topic. I thought about this a lot to myself, never really realizing this is probably something we as Christians should explore. Before we really dive in, can you tell me how you came up with this topic for the article in the first place?
1: Yeah, so as a pastor and um, as a counselor, this comes up all the time uh, with those who sit in my office and and struggle and wrestle uh, with what they would say is forgiving themselves. Um, they, they just, you know, they, they would say, you know, I know that God has forgiven me. Uh, I know that my, my wife has forgiven me. I know that my friend has forgiven me, but I just can't forgive myself. I just, a couple days ago, I, I got a, a text from uh, somebody that I'm, I'm walking through and, and, and helping counsel. And he just he texted me, he said, pastor John, I just, I can't forgive myself. How, how do I forgive myself? It, it's, it's perpetual. it's always there in front of us. We hear it from all sides. We hear it from Oprah. Uh, you pick up any pop psychology book you you sit in uh, to uh, many offices of many uh, counselors and therapists and they're gonna they're gonna try to navigate you through forgiving yourself. And the invitation here for us is is really the astonishing discovery that the Bible does it has zero category for for forgiving ourselves and actually, that's a joy-filled, freeing thing. Because when we learn that we, we cannot forgive ourselves, that we're not part of the equation at all, we actually begin to experience the forgiveness that God has for us.
0: Yeah, a lot of us walk around with burdens and shame and guilt for things we've done in the past. I know because I'm one of them, which is one reason why this article really got my attention. If Christ has forgiven me personally of my sin, do I have a responsibility to forgive myself for my sin? So, uh, no, we don't. Uh,
1: we, have, we have two obligations in Scripture. First, when I sin, it's my obligation to come to God first and say, against you, God, have I sinned. In fact, the, the way that, the, that David says, he says, against you and you only have I sinned. Now. We know in our sin, we have sinned also against others, and we need to ask their forgiveness as well. But actually, it's the, the degree is so much greater. The most important forgiveness that I can receive is from God himself. And so his forgiveness is what I need. And then I'm free to, to step forward and ask for forgiveness for who I need to in terms of whatever damage I've done relationally, in terms of whatever hurt I've caused uh, horizontally, uh, person to person, yes, absolutely. I'm invited to ask forgiveness in that context as well.
0: Yeah. In your article, you do talk about two different types of forgiveness, vertical and horizontal forgiveness. And I just wonder, you, you touch on it right there, but can you ex- talk about this a little bit more?
1: Yeah. So we, so ultimately, so God is the judge. He's the one who, who rules over all. It's, it's before him and him alone that we'll stand on judgment day. And so it's his forgiveness that we ultimately need. Uh, whether or not I, I'll be, those, uh, be one of those who's, who's invited into God's family or be one of those who, who, who stands condemned on my own merits depends on whether or not I receive God's forgiveness. Period. End of story. Now, because I have received God's forgiveness, I'm compelled to, to move forward and be an agent of reconciliation an agent who, who seeks forgiveness, who repents for the harm that I've caused to other people. And so, yes, there are, there are absolutely those two dimensions. Uh, but, but noticeably miss, min, missing in those is the need to forgive myself. That's not in the Bible.
0: Now, in the article, you make the point, we may not be able to forgive ourselves, but seeking forgiveness from others is critical. Can you elaborate?
1: Yeah, so... What I'm not saying is that uh, forgiveness is just this private thing just between me and God. You know, I'm uh, a lot of people, um, I mean, it takes great courage to seek forgiveness for, uh, from other people that we've, that we've harmed. And so a lot of people kind of re- retreat and they, they make it only about them and God. And there's a danger in that. Uh, there's a danger because you're, you've actually inflicted harm on somebody. And, and part of demonstrating the heart of Jesus christ is to go to that person and ask for forgiveness and so you're missing out on a blessing that god has for you you're messing you're missing out on a blessing that god has for that person and you're you're oftentimes actually creating a stumbling block for them uh, so so you've done harm in their life and 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 now now they're trying to wrestle this through like how can i forgive John when he's when he's done this when he's said this when he's when he's caused this harm in my life, and and actually I'm I'm giving them a gift to come humbly, and, and repent before them, and actually it's a it's a gift that points them straight back to God, uh, and an invitation where they get to see the gospel lived out in front of them.
0: Now you wrap up the article with a beautiful illustration about David, Uriah, and Bathsheba, and I was hoping you could share that with us.
1: Yeah, so let me let me back up. This this is an amazing story about repentance and and forgiveness. So David. King David, uh, most important king in uh, Israel's history. Uh, David, a righteous man in many respects, but he has this massive, massive sin. In fact, it's not just a sin. Oftentimes we, we talk about it as if it's a sin, but, but it's this, this whole cobweb of sin, sin upon sin upon sin upon sin. It begins with, with lusting after Bathsheba. Uh, it, it then uh, it, it continues on to, to manipulating and utilizing his power uh, for ill intent. He, he sends um, p- part of his guard, his temple card, to go get Bathsheba. She can't say no. The king has asked her. So now he's abusing his power and he's making uh, people who work for him complicit in this. He, he's then, it, it, in terms of power dynamics, there's no other way, I think, to reconcile it than he, he rapes Bathsheba, she, she has no capacity as a peasant to say no to the king. He rapes her. He, he breaks the trust of one of his, of his high uh, officers in his army. He then puts that, that not only Uriah, but he puts his whole army at risk by intentionally murdering Uriah. I mean, sin upon sin, is, it, it is a mess. And yet, what do we see in terms of the repentance of David. Well, as scripture tells a story in second Chronicles um, chapter 12, uh, sorry, second Samuel 12, we, we see this, this passage where Nathan comes and he confronts David. He tells this story, the story of a King who abuses his power, steals the lamb of, of a poor peasant in the kingdom. David is furious over this story. And then, and then Nathan famously says, you are the man. Now, David's repentance is one sentence. In fact, verse 13 says it this way. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Now, listen to what Nathan says in response to him. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. It's that fast. It's that quick. Now, Psalm 51, we get David fully expressing expressing the grief and repentance and so I'm not suggesting that, that 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 there's not these layers of grief and repentance that don't need to take place they do and yet we see a freedom a freedom in the, the gift that God has for David in in his repentance and the forgiveness that God has uh, we, we see that that the David, is not someone who wallows in it, who processes. If David had was a 21st century American, kind of steeped in our culture, he, he would have had to go through this, this, this process of of shame and and trying to to navigate how, how do I how do I forgive myself in the midst of this? No, no, we don't see this. We see the release of God on David's life, and he has that release for us as well. No matter what your sin is, no matter what your sin is, I, w- I really want you to hear that. There, there's almost no way your sin is worse than David's. And so God's forgiveness is sufficient. It is sufficient for you. And He, when you come to him with a repentant heart, he forgives you and he forgives you in, in whole. Now, now yes, he, he may well call you out uh, and ask you to, to ask for forgiveness. If, in fact, you know that you have to if there's anyone in your life that you've harmed. But no, There is no place in there where you have to forgive yourself. To do so is to misunderstand who truly is the judge over your life.
0: John Beeson, one of the pastors at New Life Bible Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona, and the author of the article, Say No to the Gospel of Self-Forgiveness. We'll be sure to get that link in the description of this video, plus your blog, The Beehive, in case anyone would like to know more. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Two more quick stories I'd like to share with you. I realize there's a lot of controversy surrounding the vaccine and the vaccine mandates. Some say it's a religious liberty issue, some say it's not. Meantime, a small number of folks who take the vaccine or the booster experience sudden death. Some are suffering permanent neurological injuries, all the while Big Pharma and this administration will not even acknowledge this is happening, much less compensate those who die or become injured, losing their ability to work and support their families. Veritas.com recently released a video that highlights the deception and active cover up that's happening right now, designed to suppress the fact that aborted fetal cell lines were indeed used to create this vaccine. Let's take a look.
2: I work at a pharmaceutical company. I'm not an anti vaxxer. Um, I just believe in research and science. Well, in
1: this database, you came across a chain of emails discussing fetal tissue and the COVID vaccine. Vanessa Gelman, who works in Washington, D.C., is senior director of Worldwide Research. The question came up as an inquiry to our Medinfo group. They're asking, quote, did Pfizer make use of a cell line from an aborted fetus?
2: They want you to leave out the highlighted part, which is the one or more cell lines with an origin that can be traced back to human fetal tissue has been used in laboratory tests associated with the vaccine program.
1: And here we have your badge. You are an employee of Pfizer?
2: I work at the McPherson Kansas plant. Um, It's one of the biggest plants in the operation of Pfizer. We produce some of the most units.
1: This message from Vanessa Gilman.
2: From the perspective of corporate affairs, we want to avoid having the information on the fetal cell lines floating out there. We believe that the risk of communicating this right now outweighs any potential benefit that we could see, particularly with general members of the public who may take this information and use it in ways we may not want it out there. We have not received any questions from policymakers or media on this issue in the last few weeks, so we want to avoid raising this if possible.
0: Folks, you are being lied to by the pharmaceutical industry and by this administration. It's not their job to decide whether or not you object to this, but they've taken it upon themselves to hide this information. Why? It's not because they care about you. At best, it's a sinister attempt to make as much money as possible selling these ineffective and dangerous vaccines. At worst, it's something much more sinister. And with all the bad news out there, I'd like to bring some good news to your attention. If you're anything like me, you've become disgusted with all the programming out there that's riddled with violence, softcore porn, and anti-Christian morals. I can't in good conscience entertain myself when these themes are constantly being pushed down my throat. But recently I came across a TV series that's absolutely free and incredibly produced, and it's all about our King and Savior. He performs miracles and seeks no credit? What does he look like? Is he a member of Sanhedrin? Would you at least know him if you saw
2: him again? (laughs) I don't know why I am sharing this with you. I, I don't understand it myself. But here is what I can tell you. I was one way. And now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him.
0: It's called The Chosen, and there's a link to it in the description of this video. It is so well done. I physically have a reaction each time I see Jesus and what he does. Now, they just released the second season, and I highly, highly recommend checking it out and consider supporting their work. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show for you today. Please don't forget to check out more Be block for just John Beeson's interview on Forgiving Yourself wherever you watch Kingdom's Cornerstone News, whether that's YouTube, Vimeo, Odyssey, or Gab TV. And if any of these platforms remove the show, our main website, kcn.thekey.com will always have what you're looking for, as I've made it incredibly difficult to censor that site. All right, thanks for watching, everyone. I'm Jamie Keeper. We'll see you again next week.